Hi, dear folks, welcome to Dad Bod Bible Podcast, Real Men Talk, where I get to talk to other men about man shit. So today I've got a good friend of mine, an ex-business partner of mine, actually, he helped me build Primal, Dan McCaff. He's uh, got one of the most successful gyms in Belfast, and he's built it from basically nothing. So Dan, why should people listen to you? Give me a rundown of who you are and what makes you worth listening to, because I do think you've got a lot of things worth listening to. Honestly, I just talk from experience. I don't. I don't think. Uh, I, I never think. I, I know too much. I'm always trying to learn, and I, I like to pass that information on to people because, especially the space we're in, I think people need to know and need to know about the lessons of running the fitness business, and they need to they need to know the ins and outs of what it actually takes instead of sometimes looking from the inside, inside or outside in. Sorry, people expect fitness business to be, you know, super profitable. Like it's so easy. You just get people fit and it's, you know, ha ha, they're, they're getting results and everybody will come to the gym where it's a bit more, it's a bit more sort of harder from a frame of like, people don't expect the work ethic that goes into it. There's long hours involved and I've been there. I had a gym with zero, zero people, um, and now we have 200-plus members. And even in a pandemic, a lockdown, we still have 200-plus members. Um, so it's not that people should listen. People should just heed advice. So, Tom, uh, sorry to interrupt you there, buddy. Well, one thing, I, would to finish. One thing um, I will say about you is, you're a driven wee bugger. Like, I remember my first time meeting you, you came in the Iron Fit, and you told me you were going to charge, what was it, 60 pounds for for the training? And I just said to you flat out, not going to work, not going to happen. Now, I'm glad you didn't listen to me. I'm glad yeah, you didn't listen to me. I actually remember, I tell people about it a lot. When I, when I say Paul Murray, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember him. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was 45 pound. It was 45 pound a month in West Belfast, Glen Road, when it was the first time at any type of this, like our facility had sort of come into that space and we were charging like Town Leisure Centre were charging like 25, 30 pound a month. You know, gyms around us were charging around that price. And we were coming in at a 45 pound price point with four sessions a week in, in a group setting. And I remember asking you, because obviously I looked up to the, the Iron Fit sort of model and thought, you know, these guys obviously know what they're at. They're, they have a lot of experience. This is what I would like to, this is what I would like to do. This is the people I would like to get advice from. I remember you were, you says, uh, nah, mate, West Belfast, you're not fucking get that. <laughs> I was like, okay, no problem, mate. And I, mean, I, 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 really was, I was being serious. I wasn't trying to be a dick to that point. I was, I was going off my own, sort of my own preconditions or, you know, my own uh, perspective of what I believed at that point in time and from my own experiences. And I suppose at that point, I hadn't got the balls to ask for more. Whereas you, you're just like, you you are literally a born salesman. You do, you, you're like Sean McGarry. You like the chase of the seal, don't you? No, I, I honestly, I, I don't think I am. I, I don't what? think I, I I don't think I enjoy chasing this deal. I, I just think that sometimes I, I realize that I have something to offer. And I, I thought it was, at the time, I was like, this is different than what everybody else does. Um, I believed in the product, probably the most important thing. I believed in what we were offering. And 
genuinely, I just thought it was worth it. I was like, with the, the amount of effort and work that is going to be involved in keeping keeping this facility and keeping the members on on board and keeping them focused, it's going to be worth worth that amount. But I, I would like still now, I like seals. Yes, I, I do make a lot of seals, but it, it's not something it's not something I've ever got comfortable with. Really, I, it's almost like floating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I still like I still don't like. I still don't like having sales conversations and I try to find a way that suits me just to have a conversation with people and give them more of a listen, this is what approach we have and then just really reassure them that they're making the right decision rather than having a, a sales conversation. Like I still sweat. I still like the thought of having somebody on a sitting in front of me having a sale. It's a bit like, Oof. but I've got better, I've got better at it, way better <laughs> You're doing well. Your your numbers in your gym say that alone. Um, you left. You I bought you out in what two thousand and seventeen was it? Yeah, I think we we just made the move um, from the Glen Road to Kennedy Way. So we just made the move, and I think it was at the end of that year. So we moved in September, and I think me and you had sort of came to that agreement around around the end of 2017 could have possibly been into 2018 around around that time uh, and mm-hmm. honestly like without you know it was probably one of the best decisions i made like for for me simply you know selfishly speaking because it just gave me the focus back of not having not having two facilities to look after and i i suppose it was really, it was really, it was a hard decision because I always thought with Primal, I, I went with more, it was more egotistical for me. It was like, oh, I have two gyms, you know, I'm super successful gym owner, blah, 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 which when I look back, sounds a bit silly, but I was young, naive, maybe, you know, just didn't really know the intricate details of what it was like to have another business as well as as well as this, so I I was I actually the whole the whole lesson that I learned made me realize that I didn't want to franchise out and that I think I think in this industry it's with Instagram and Facebook and you know this constant bombardment of like personal trainers and fit pros always showing you know they're making a hundred grand two hundred grand whatever it is in front of Ferraris that even when you own a gym. You don't feel like you're a success. You don't feel like all oh, that work's worth it. That someone else is better, and it's that you know you need more culture that we've sort of come to grow up in and like accept as normal. That ends up making ends up making you more miserable. Like it took me, I'd say, two years of from when we when we separated. You broke my heart. No, that um that that it got me to yeah, about two years before I got back on my feet and you know realizing what I wanted. And it was for yeah. me. It was a, it was a painful. It was a painful lesson in that I wasn't expecting. You know that for you to do that, um, but it was probably the best thing happened because I was able yeah. to then drive Primal exactly the way I wanted to drive it, and there wasn't that conflict. because you're more female focused, I'm more male focused, and the advertisements we were doing was advertising towards females, which weren't my ideal client, which was making yeah. me miserable on coaching, and that came across. But as soon as I was free of that and I was able to just start focusing, which was scary, it was terrifying. That was, I was sleeping on the gym. I, in fact, I had to borrow money from one of my clients. My client had lent me the money to get you, to buy you out. And um, I was sleeping on the gym floor at that point. 
but all those lessons really cemented like who I am to me and helped me grow. Yeah, hundred percent. I I think the lessons the lessons probably stand both of us in good stead. That's why I I love like talking about like the breakup from panel to people because I always think that people when you have a split in business partnership or whatever, people people automatically think, oh, what happened? Like, oh, like, who, who, who fucked who over? And I was like, no, honestly, it wasn't anything like that. It was the two of us were going in a separate direction. And what you wanted for the, for the business and what I inherently wanted were two different things. And I think the realization came when one, one of the trips I went to America and I was like, I just can't do this anymore because I was pushing this agenda. You wanted this agenda. It came to the realization, like, listen, if we both, if we both want to, you know, be a success in our own right, then we need to go and focus on our, our own thing. And that's where I was like, right, no limits needs to be my focus. That's what, you know, all my energies you spent on. And inherently you yourself as like, and then Paul will realize that his focus now becomes primal because you can sometimes get caught up and let other people do certain things with the business and then you sort of forget what their purpose actually is to actually drive the business forward, which obviously with a female background that I was coaching in, getting into primal and you resented it, you didn't like it, and then but it was like, listen, this is what we need to be a success, and you're like, but I don't like it. I'm like, you know, just shut up and do it, like it's fine. And then over time you're like Nah, any sort of resentment builds for the business. Yeah, I I can remember thinking that I didn't want to be in Primal anymore, but it just did, it didn't feel like the goal that I had set out for was being achieved, and that mm-hmm. sort of that that got that got me down a bit, you know, because I was putting all this work in, but I knew the people I was coaching were not the people that I needed to be coaching, you know, like anyone knows me, you're you're the nice guy, I'm the asshole, like I'm just a how it is, I, you've got a different way of saying what I say. Ultimately, we both give the same message. We just deliver it differently. But I yeah. am that sort of like the MMA fighter style. You know, you just do it. You got to do what you got to do. You were the more put the arm around the shoulder, give them a hug, make them feel better about themselves and let them slowly drip feed into believing in themselves. And both work, obviously, but not together. Yeah, yeah. It was definitely the biggest lesson. The biggest lesson I learned from that was... I don't think I'll ever have a business partner again. Mm-hmm. That was yeah. that was a big one for me. Do you think you're ever gonna have a business partner? I, I, I honestly I probably would in the future and if I needed one. But what what I what I think about business partnerships, and you can correct me if you know you think it's it's different than yours, but is like it's sometimes a business partner becomes an option because you're not 100% confident that you could go and do it on your own. So you, you sort of like levy off the, oh, well, if I have somebody else, you know, they can take the burden. So, you know, like, oh, Dan has a marketing background. He can do X, Y, and Z. He can bring in the clients. You know, I can do the coaching. Because that's the sort of setup we had at the start was like, yeah. listen, I'll do the marketing. Like, I, they don't even know it, need to know I exist. And then you just you just deliver on the coaching. And, and I think... As a, with a business partner, you need a very clear defined role. You do this, I do this, but this is the this is the goal, and we're both you know we're both cemented. And I we think know what's what crucial. I think what's crucial for business partnerships, and 
And the, the, the most business partners in gyms, what, what usually happens with the gym is you and me, oh, we're mates, we're buddies, we're, got, we're fitness instructors, let's, let's go do something together. And then we're mates, it's all going to work out. The, one of the big takeaway lessons I learned from us too was a contract is crucial. Oh, yeah. It, we didn't have a contract. We, we like, and I, I, in fact, every gym I had didn't have a contract with them, and every yeah. gym I had ended up going wrong with the partnerships. Part, actually, yeah. apart from ours, ours didn't go wrong. Ours was actually resolved very amicably and yeah. it worked out. It was actually the only one that was. But I think there was a more professional level on both our parts at that point. I think I was more matured in the gym life you had. But I think people jumping into a, bit, a gym business needs to understand the importance of a contract. So you have clearly defined rules and clearly defined escape routes, get out clauses. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the the gym could be a viable business for one of you if the other one's ready to will they're willing to buy the other person out. But if there's no set structure there, then it, it's muddy the waters and things can go wrong. Yeah. And I think I think as well a crucial a crucial thing with with business partnerships themselves is like. And what I love about No Limits, like the decision's mine. I make a decision, we execute, and we go for it. And I, and I loved having that control. Um, and it wasn't because I'm a controlling person. It was just because I knew that my decision was ultimate. And I, I, I hated the partnership side of things where I was like, hey, Paul, listen, I'm thinking about doing this. You know, this is a great idea. It's working really well at No Limits. What do you think? I mean, you almost have to like, convince you like oh this is the way we want to do it Whereas when I back, yeah <laughs> when i when i went back to just being no limits and just having a sole focus like we grew we grew massively in the space of six months because i only had one thing to do it was like right i just have no limits i don't have to call up the primal i don't have to ring paul i don't have to tax them i don't have to do whatever it's like this is my sole focus so i think that's a crucial lesson when you have a business partnership, it's like who who's who's the decision maker? Who's the one that's making the decisions for the business to move forward? And if you have to go back in and ask questions and ask every single time, I could see that being a problem long term, as one might be the facilitator to make it grow, and then the other one's a bit more you know risk averse. They maybe don't want to take the risk. Yeah, Paul, two seconds down. Just this fucking cat through my hand. <laughs> Jesus Christ, I swear, you get cats. All the dudes, you're fucking bald. Two to stay in there. Right. I can fucking, I can edit that bit out. <laughs> I was going to steal Gareth's charger. Go ahead, go and grab it. Two seconds. Leave. Should have enough charge, but I don't want to. Yeah, you're you're right. Yes. Sorry, go ahead. So, so tell me, yes, Dan. I can remember the moment that I can actually remember the whole conversation where we were when I realized you were moving the next level. Do you, do you know where it was? Do you know what what was your trigger? What was the point you went, I needed to, for me to become more, I need to become more? Um, are you talking about the, the event in Dublin? 
No, no, I'm talking about we we were walking down to uh, the gym, and you just turned around and said to me, "I've invested in this guy called Bedros Kulahan, oh, and yes. it's it's cost me. I can't remember how much it was a month, but I was like, I remember looking at you going, and you were like, it's going to be worth it. And my head again, I was like, oh, good luck to you. That's for a pity. <laughs> but again, I have to eat my words. You done the work that you were told to do, and the results followed. But can you remember your exact moment when that was that you decided you were going to commit to being more? Yeah, well, I mean, in Hurley, it was in a, it was in an event in California, where obviously the whole the whole event is geared towards getting people to sign up to this, you know, this mastermind and whatever. So everything leading up to it, from the presentations the day before. Like, everything's geared up to make you think, like, wow, like, look at these guys. Like, I want to, you know, I want to be on top like them. And this event, it was called the Fitness Business Summit. And it was bringing on personal trainers, speaking about, you know, their journey, like how they went from one girl who was, like, stealing nappies, like, you know, two years ago, and then she was making 40, 50, 60, 70 grand a month. And she was doing really well and all these different things. And then there was a, there was a talk about Bedros, Cooley and did about never peaking. Like, you never peak. And it was just like, it was for 60 minutes, that's all he was really talking about. It was like his journey, how he got to worry, like, you know, sabotage, moments of weakness, like failures. He spoke about everything. And then it was leading up to like him saying, like, you should never peak. Like, you should die on your deathbed thinking like, you know, the next best days to come. And he sold his mastermind from that point and I was like, I shit scared because it was $1,800 a month. And I had, uh, I think I had 250 pounds on a student credit card. Um, and I was like, do, do you take deposits? Like, um, and at that moment, like, I, I, I never forget the feeling sitting on the seat after going, and putting down my wee, my wee credit card thing for a deposit and going, this is going to fucking fail. Like, this isn't going to go through. Um, and I remember telling my friend, my friend Terry was with me, and I remember telling him after, because he wasn't at the event, he was, like, floating about California somewhere. I remember telling him after, and he was like, you're a dick. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fast attitude, like, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I, remember, I remember phoning Claire and telling her, and I was trying to sell it to her. I was like, Listen, you know, go to America three times a year. Like one time it's in Vegas, next time it's California, you know, San Diego, like all these different places. And she just goes, How much is it? I lied. I was like, Oh, a couple hundred pounds a month, you know, because I knew if I told her straight out, there would be like World War Three. But I remember, I remember feeling and thinking about it going, like this money is a scary amount that if I don't do the work, I don't do anything, it'll be such a waste. And if I want to get to the, the next level for me, then I need to invest in someone who's been there before, who's ahead of me in the game and someone I can learn lessons from. And that's really where my, my learning, you know, changed from, I mean, you maybe know this, but it changed from going to Alan John events, you know, getting certifications like Catabell certifications to more of a like, 
right, they aren't going to serve me anymore. I need to get a higher level of thinking and thought process behind what my actual goals are. Um, and that was the moment. It was, I think it was around, I don't know, it was around 2000, end of 2015, start of 2016, around that time where I was like, right, I need to start start thinking differently and start needing to be around more successful people to help me become more successful. See, the thing is, what I like about you and what I actually admire about you, and it's the first time and last time I've ever said about you, by the way, um, <laughs> <laughs> is that you are you are very positive in your outlook. You know, it's like a determination. I hate the word positive, you know. It's, I, I just think the word positive mindset. No, it's, uh, yeah, it's too woo-woo now. It's just, it's just being sound-bedded out. But you have got a determination, and that, I think, is crucial. You're very, very self-disciplined. You found a you found a way that works for you, and you're religious on it. You're like you're regimented on making sure it happens, and how it happens all the time. You're you're there with your fingers, and I think West Belfast tends to have this this belief cultured from so many years of you know depravity and all that. Almost the seeing someone succeed. Is, is like a highlight of your own feelings. And for that reason, there's a lot of people don't want to see you succeed and would rather badmouth you and, you know, put you down and actually try to use you as a stepping stone. Well, if he can do it, they can do it. But that's yeah. why, I, that's one of the things I do admire about you. You've came from nothing and you have built yourself a very, very successful business. Now, we're not talking, you're, you're not going to, like, change the fitness world the way you're currently at, though you could do the way, the way you keep going. But... What is it that, what's your secret sauce to, to allowing you to believe that regardless of where you're from or what, what your outlook is or what your outcomes are, that you can change your, you can change your life through hard work? Honestly, I, I, I think it's just through education and mentorships. And it's funny that you were saying there, you know, positive, like it's so woo-woo at the minute. I almost feel the same way about, coaching and mentorships I almost feel that's like so so common now like everybody wants to say they have a coach everybody wants to say they have a mentor everybody wants to say is like I don't give a fuck how many mentors or coaches you have like what lessons are you taking away and what action are you taking like I don't care if you invest in the you know the most expensive coach in the world it means absolutely nothing if you don't towards reaching your goals and I, I, I've always I don't know I, I honestly think it comes from a family background of having you know w- watching my dad like when we were you know 12 13 14 have like three different jobs you know he worked for Bass Ireland he taxied and then he was taking a Gaelic team you know he was doing these different things and that work ethic it, I, I've always admired it I've always been like you know, wow, that like fuck me. And um, when I was getting ready for my wedding, I had four jobs because I wanted to do it with no debt or whatever. So there's always been a work ethic there, and I would be an absolute liar if I didn't say there was work involved in trying to change your mindset. But now I always feel that one of my biggest assets, along with education, is that every risk I take, everything that I that I jump on the clear, my wife might be a bit scared or afraid about. I'm always like, it will be fine. Because if it doesn't work out, 
I'm a worker. I will find a job. I, there's plenty of jobs out there. I can work in Asda, Tesco's, like whatever. Like I'm a worker. I, I don't care what it takes. But I would definitely say that the, the work ethic and the willingness to learn from other people and learn from your feet. Like I did, a, I did a video earlier on Facebook. I don't know if you've seen it about nearly going bankrupt. Yeah, that's you know, I actually did watch it in preparation for this. I wanted to hear what you were saying. So good. Yeah, so in, in the move that we made from here, just to put it in the context, like the Glen Row, we were paying peanuts for rent, like absolute peanuts and peanuts and rates and everything like that. And then we moved on our expenses overnight, like 20 X, like completely, like complete 360. Like everything was more expensive. The rent alone was seven times the, the rent of the Glen Road, just the rent. The rates were actually the biggest change. The rates went from £100 to £1,500 a month. <laughs> just the rates. And plus we get sort of dicked over a bit with the, the building costs. It costs oh, an extra yeah. five grand than it should have. Um, and it was probably one of the lowest points I've ever had. I know you were saying there, like, you're always so positive. Like, and again, you probably never even noticed it. Like, anybody around me probably didn't notice because I was I was faking it. Oh, it's so good. Can't wait to move in. That's your life. <laughs> this is amazing. But were, you reality, doing that, were, you, were you faking it to keep yourself sane? Or were you I think doing so. it? To, yeah, were you just trying to stay away from the negative thoughts of letting it overwhelm happen? Yeah, that's, that's exactly it. Like, there was moments in the day, you know, yourself, when when you're quiet, you're alone, you're thinking, like, fuck, what am I doing here? Like, and I, I think part of, again, part of the ego, you, you're starting to worry about what other people will think. You know, like, oh, what if this doesn't work out? Like, have I made a mistake? Have I let my whole family down? You know, there's so much hype around it. Everybody's expecting you, you to... Were you a dad at this point? Yeah. Well, Keelan... Keelan was born a few a few months. I think he was born in March. Well, not a think I know. Um, <laughs> we moved in. Uh, we moved in September. So there was like what six months there, um, and then you have that. You know, I was I was overweight. I gained. I definitely gained weight. I stopped training. I was so stressed. I just I wasn't even enjoying it anymore. But we just made this big move. So from the from the outside looking in, they're like this guy's making big moves, you know, look at this, this is probably the biggest move of his career, he's just going from strength to strength, but inside I was burning, I was like, oh, this sense of, I hate using the word overwhelm and anxiety, and because, you know, it's just, it's fucking throughout there so much now, but, and, you know, depression, like, someone asked me, were you depressed? And I was like, I have no idea, because I don't know what depression feels like, but I, I just know I felt low, I felt the sense of like embarrassment. You know, it was a shame the, the way I felt, and it was like this is weird. I can bet you that you learned more from that experience than any other, anything else, any of your successes. 100%. I it, think that's something that we're worried about. Sorry, go ahead. Good to interrupt. I was just, just going to say you were saying that you learn anything. I think that's why we dealt with COVID so well. No joke. Because you because you that that experience. One hundred percent. Yeah, you see, I was lucky. I done when I opened when I opened Fight Academy Ireland, like actually it was a progressive combat club Belfast then in the falls. Social media didn't really exist. 
this was 2006, 2007. Bebo was about that's that was, <laughs> that, was that was the limit of social media. Bebo, and then you know, so I I got I done it for more intrinsic values and more intrinsic worth than extrinsic because you weren't on social media every day boasting about, look at how amazing I am, waiting for those likes. You were doing it because you loved doing it, and then that's where I got my bug. I think today a lot of people jump into the fitness industry or any industry, whatever's, whatever's the latest cool thing, it's because it's trending. Right now in the fitness industry, it's cold water immersion. Every personal trainer is doing, oh, look at me, I'm Wim Hof. I'm a, it's like... Ah. No, Ah <laughs> yeah, actually that was the end of Gareth. <laughs> but um, there is this sort of culture in the fitness industry where, it, let's be honest, the industry is filled with insecure trainers, people who have no clue what they're doing. They're doing it because usually they were in a bad place. Fitness has got them to a place where they feel better about themselves, and they want to help others, but they don't really have the tools to interact or actually coach others. Really, they've done a, a two, three, four week course. And then they're out in the big wild world and they're open their own gym. And it's overwhelming. Now they're in a position where they have to pretend to not be overwhelmed and pretend everything's okay. And I think that brings them down even more. Ah, uh, it's it's a it's a this industry, it's a hard one to do. Like it's yeah. there's a there's a lot of pitfalls in it. I just don't I think there's a lot of people I think COVID exposed a lot of the people who weren't ready for opening gyms, and I think too many trainers jump into wanting to own a gym too soon these days what do you think on that yeah i agree totally and when when our good friend michael lennon you know has me down at speaking at his his event now and again and that's probably one of the most common questions i would get asked you know what do you do what's the first steps to opening your own gym and i'm very much without sound negative like i'm very much against it unless they have a good solid base of clients because you know and I know there's people out there who'll tell you like yes Paul you open your gym I'll come with you 100% I'll come with you and I, I remember when we moved to Primal you told me a few people were coming from somewhere else and they never came can't remember names or whatever but I remember telling you the time I was like listen see until they see until I've got them my stripe they're not fucking <laughs> they, they won't come I know but they pay cash I was like they won't come trust me and um, so I, I almost try to put people off that and be like, listen, build up. You can build a really good personal training business from paying rent at a gym. Like a really solid, good money, good career, whatever. You can, you can do that. But I think people try to jump because it's it's like, you know, oh, that's what everybody does now. Everybody that's, the that's the key. And I think a lot of people need to understand that. <clears throat> You're, what you just said there was what I was going to promote next. It's like, what do you want? Not exactly. what you what do you think that and not what you think the industry says you must want, but what is it that's going to make your life better? And I'd say if you're twenty something years old, even up to maybe mid thirties, and you've got a you're fully booked, like if you've got forty clients a week or whatever, four, and you're maybe coupling them up, you're making enough money. Trust me, that you can take four or five weeks a year off and not worry about being paid and leave them, leave your clients maybe a homework out to do when they're away for an ho- a week or two holidays and, and all have less stress. And you can build collaborations with other trainers. Like there seems to be this stigma that you can't be, you know, friends with other trainers. You can build up some solid relationships where you could even 
be in a training center, personal training your clients. If you're on holiday, you have another PT, look after your clients for, but again, that insecurity. Like, oh, fuck, oh, couldn't, couldn't leave them with Mickey. He'll, he'll try to steal my clients. <laughs> oh, couldn't do that. You know, and that's that's where I think people need to need to realize. We were at a Sean McGarry event. I'll never forget it. Um, and the boy, there was a there was a boy there. Um, you'll probably remember. I don't want to mention names, though. But he, he was telling us he was making like six grand a month PTing from Pure Gym. I know what you're talking about. Six grand a month. He was PTing. He was like, I was like, what's your aspirations? Oh, I'm going to open my own gym. And I was totally against it. <laughs> I was like, listen, I says, if you're making that, you're making more than me and I have a gym of X, Y, and Z members. I says, what do you think it's going to bring you different? Because you're going to have to pay rent. You're going to have to pay rates. You're going to be there more. You know, there's going to be more expectations and you're going to have to find a way to facilitate it all. And I says, you'll actually, you know, you'll lose half of your income. And I think at the time he was paying £450 a month rent to Pure Gym. And I was like, I was like, okay, so you're about ninety percent profit margins are well done. Keep it going, because <laughs> yeah. you're not because you're not going to have them when you open a gym or open a facility. That's the thing. Like, if if you're, you need to be. You need, I think first thing I would tell any trainer getting into this, you need to have a clear definition of what it is you want from this career, this job. Mm-hmm. Is it a stopgap? Is it a career? Is is it? Do you want a gym? Why do you want the gym? When you when you decide what why you want the gym, what are you going to do to make that happen? How what brought the process to get that point? You know, is it a five year plan, ten year plan, two year plan? What is it? But if you're coming in fresh, you've only maybe you've got an experience training yourself, but there's a difference between training yourself and knowing how to train other people. Like I am lucky. Like I would be good. I'm a good coach. I, if someone walks into my gym, there's nothing I can't I can't handle. I'm confident of that. I know if I'll be able to go, okay, you can't do that. I've got alternatives because I've got so much experience, like maybe nearly 20,000 hours coaching. Yeah. But if I look back to the guy I was, like, I didn't know what I was doing. And there was no way in this earth I could provide a service that I, the, 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 that I charge the money for I charge today with that knowledge. I would have lost everything. And I think the ego takes over in so many young trainers these days they want to be seen they want to recognize they want the followers they want the instagram likes they want some sort of validation that they are good instead of actually realizing that just stay under the radar just keep chipping away make the mistakes because you're going to make thousands and learn from every mistake write it down what you've done wrong what you should have done learn from it apply it the next time and that's a bank of knowledge you're just putting in you're putting it away and you're going to be pulled out of your pocket one day and maybe three or four years down the line you're going to be in a better position to understand what it is you truly want. What would you add to that? Yeah, hundred percent. And I, I love what you said there about staying on the radar. Like that's what I feel I've done for years. You know, in, in terms of like what we do, uh, I haven't been really pig-headed about like where we're at as a business. Where you know how many members we have. Um, whatever. I just kept digging away each day and keep keep progressing in the outcome. I, I think with, with young trainers especially and people coming into the industry, it's, listen, there's there's a massive opportunity there to help people. And, um, you know, there's, there's a massive, there's a massive market. Like now Greenland's place is, I mean, we, I could walk to it in five minutes. Um, McGee's gym's there, there's a new gym opening. 
um, a few meters. And I don't care how close they are because I know that there's there's so many people need help. So many people need to you know get fit, get healthy, lose weight, you know improve their mindset, like whatever it is. There's there's enough there for everybody. And if people you know just let their egos go for a second and think right, what kind of trainer will I be in ten years? You know, you don't need to know all the answers now. Like, I'm, I'm evolving at the minute into delivering our breakthrough retreats. Instead of doing them on, instead of doing them at a weekend, I'm, I'm building an online program. There's a higher-end program, more expensive, but it, it's less to do with fitness and nutrition and more to do with, like, let's get people's mindset right. Let's, you know, control the, control the things that we can control before we actually go. And people actually still lose weight. And people get better results through working on their mind. Did I think about that in 2010? No. So there's, there's always an evolution you can make. The same way you're a completely different coach than the person who was in Fight Academy. Yeah. There's, there's, there's tons of time there to change and evolve and get better and then charge what you're actually worth. I think people are trying to chase this. I had this, um, I remember the first time I was in TAC doing the personal training course, and it was like, you personal train for an hour and you get 30 quid. No, you don't. That, 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 that's what, that's what, that was the thing. Oh, you, you personal train for an hour. And I always question, like, I was like, why is it an hour? I was like, why is it an hour? Like, they have to make a session last an hour and fill it with all these fluffy things just to, you know, fill that time. And I'll be honest, like my first client was fifteen pound an hour, or fifteen pound a session. I was if like, you have to uh, charge a tenner. If, if you like, have to charge a tenner, you have to serve your time. It's like, it's like an apprentice bricky. You don't, but you don't hire an apprentice bricky to build your house. You know, no matter how cheap or much cheaper it's going to cost you, because it's not going to be worth it. You, there, I'd say most PTs when they start out, it's going to be mom and dad, brothers and sisters cousins and best friends and girlfriends of such people that are going to be your clients and you're not going to charge them that much and you're going to feel uncomfortable talking about money and this is sort of part of this is all part of the learning process you've got to go i try to tell people we live in a world where you think everything's granted it just you're you're entitled to it now but the reality is you only are going to be able to speak about certain things you experience i'm pretty good at talking about mindset because my mindset has been so fucked up for so many years that I've I've experienced depression and suicide attempts and fire feeling bankruptcy and losing gyms and building gyms. So I'm able to speak about that from a personal point of view, from my own personal experiences. And no doubt what I'm going to say will maybe help people fall um, not fall into some of the pitfalls. But ultimately, you can't do it without experiencing it. I agree. So who would you be if you had just been handed the gym you've got today? What would your gym be like, you know, compared to the way the struggle you had to go through to get it to working? Yeah, it'd be pretty shit. There'd be no, because there's no relatability. There's no relatability with clients. There's no, there's no relatability to struggle and, you know, hard work. And I, I think that's what, it's not that most people are missing in the, in the personal training industry. I just think, you know, it's a, it's a naivety. There's a there's naivety there that everything is just built and it comes easy. Now don't get me wrong, I'm sure there's people out there who have opened gyms and did really well just out of luck, you know. 
being in the right place, the right time, right moment, right location, like, you know, whatever. And um, but I would say the most most trainers that we know who are honest will tell you that it's a struggle a lot of the time. You know, in terms of like it's not just as easy as going, Oh, I want ten clients and you get ten clients. And it's not going to be a struggle for like two months. It's going to be a struggle for two or three years. You know, and I, I try to tell people struggle comes in waves. So like the first well, the first time you get hit by a wave, it might be a small wave, but it's enough to knock you off your feet and you freak out. Then those small waves, you find you find your balance in them and then a bigger wave comes to hit you and that knocks you off your feet and then you slowly learn how to ride that wave and then a bigger wave comes. And every time you evolve, you're going to hit, be hit by another wave of self-doubt, another wave of like... To have to find the resilience and the ability to overcome, and that's why I think so many people feel. But yeah, tell well, me, yes, okay, go ahead. What are we gonna say? Finish that up. I think it's like I don't know if Michael, I might be quoting Michael wrong here, but he says something like 14 or first 14 or 16 months, most personal trainers quit. Yeah, you can see Do why. You know Listen, if you're if you're stacking shells in Tesco or Asda and you're hitting your job and you're not feeling worthwhile, you enjoy training. And then you're seeing all these advertisements for fitness personal trainer, get this amount of money, make this amount of money. You're going to jump ship, go, shit, yeah, this is great. With these high expectations that you've been built up from the, like, these are cultivated, carefully cultivated marketing strategies that the businesses are, are putting out to, to get your taste buds going. And then the reality comes in. And if you haven't got the strength of the fortitude inside yourself to see out those rough times you're not going to do it. and if you've got these preconceived ideas of 35 pound an hour 40 pound an hour 50 pound an hour and then the reality kicks in it can be off-putting unless you've got that deeper resolve inside you that deeper as simon Sinek says, that deeper why you're not yeah. going to see it out but i want to ask you this <laughs> as a dad yeah how do you because this is all about dads obviously and all building a business because it's not just a gym business but any business like how did you see, because you, you, were, you were in a gym business, running the business, single mom, well, not single mom, married mom, but no, I call single men, anyone without children, because you've got freedom. <laughs> Suddenly going to this responsibility and having a new business to build up, how did that affect your mindset? How did that affect you? Did it? Did it push you on? Did it hold you back in fear? Do, do you mean when Keelan was coming along, once, once yeah. I found out where I was fighting and stuff? Um, Honestly, like when I found out Claire was pregnant, and we were we were making the we were making the move. We were looking obviously for months to to make this bigger bigger move, this bigger transition. And it, it honestly it put me under a lot of pressure, and uh, because I, I was I was instantly thinking like, oh shit, like I need to be the perfect dad. I need to make sure I have all these systems in place. I need to build this business to make sure I can facilitate. Uh, I can afford to have a baby. And all these different things. So I actually went into I went into almost self-destruct mode initially because I was trying to do too much to ensure that when Keelan came, that I was able to, you know, take take all this time off and the business would run itself and I could be the perfect dad and be at home all the time. The reality is I just fucked myself up. And um, but I would be wrong to say it didn't motivate me. It didn't motivate me to try to do more and try to be better. And then the first, I would say, and I'm just going to be honest, like I'd say the first six to eight months of Keelan being born, 
I was probably a shit dad. Like, just being real, being honest. I got sucked too much into the business. I, like, Claire had Keelan. Four days later, I was in America. Um, <laughs> like, no, no joke. I'm, I'm not even not even laughing. Like, no remember joke. that? You told me that. I, I went to Marbella with Sean McGarry and Nal Greenland and all for another event. Um, and, and I just was in work mode. I was like, I need to provide for my family. I need to, you know, I'm doing everything for you, Claire. I'm doing everything for Keelan. Was I that an excuse it. just to get out of being a dad? Was it you think? Or like yeah, the culture shock? All bullshit, mate. Like when now that I know what I know now, I'm like, that was such a fucking lie. That was a lie. You you were lying that you were doing this for the kids and you were doing it for Claire. The reality is you were doing it for yourself. Because you wanted the you wanted the business to succeed for no other reason than your ego. You want to be stroking your ego and be like, I have the most successful gym. This is amazing. And I like looking back now, like I, I feel so sad and so annoyed that I did that. But it was also a great lesson. Back to the lessons, it was it was amazing because Lucy, my daughter, has probably seen me more and she's like one in a bit more than Keelan ever did at that stage of her life. Um, You're saying that, and it's like, for me, it's the exact same. But I think that's, a, again, it's a learning curve. You know, men, we do, it does not come instinctively natural for us to mother children. You know, mothers mothers have had nine months of adapting to this thing growing in their belly. They feel it moving. They've got this bond that men don't have. Men have been partying out drinking. The missus does all that. Yeah, go out and have fun with your last few months. Go have your friends. And then you're just handed this life. And you're like, the fuck do I do? Where's the instructions? Where's the manuals? I'm a man. I need instructions. And we don't get instructions. And yeah. see, and Sive, I look at Sive. And I realize Sive's insecurities and her issues that she's got. Well, all, she all kids have got issues, but I'm not saying she's not fucked up or anything, but she's got like confidence issues. You know, she's very shy and reserved. And I 100% hold responsibility for myself from that because I just wasn't the dad I knew I should have been. With, with, with Avely, on the other hand, she's just turned four. She is a mini me. She's a slager. She jokes. She's a rocket. So confident, does everything. But that's because. I, I had lessons. I had already learned from the lessons. You know, when number yeah. two came along, it wasn't as it wasn't as bad. You've been there before, and you knew where where not to make the mistakes. Sadly, when you fuck up like that, though, it's an actual human being who's the the product of your your insecurities and your feelings. So it's it's hard. Like and, and finding that balance. Like I'm separated now, so it's, I've I've got a different like sort of dynamic to go ahead with. But finding that balance of being a right dad. But also having the discipline to know that I want to spend time with kids, but I've also got to provide for my kids more importantly and yeah. give up things. It's, it's a hard lesson to learn. It's a hard to, to like balance to get. 100%. That's why I invested in uh, in Paul Moore, his coaching program. That, that's why, you know, again, marketing, different things. Like he resonated so much with me because he was talking about, you know, it, it, the way he's having family fun time and stuff for the kids and different things. That really resonated with me. I was like, right, you know, I need to get on this coaching program and see what this is all about um, and spend a bit more time and focus on family. So it was nothing to do, when I signed up with Paul Moore, it was nothing to do with marketing. It was nothing to do with 
you know, this fitness thing or whatever, trying to grow my business. It was like, how do I become a better dad? How do I become a better <laughs> husband? How do I become a better friend to my kids? And how do I, you know, spend quality time with my kids? And the, the last, I would say, eight or nine months, like the focus, and listen, thanks to COVID as well. You know, yeah. like I'm being real. Like there's obviously, the, life has slowed down a bit. You know, there's been less pressure to be at the gym and different things. So like as all the madness that's happened with COVID, that's probably the biggest the biggest thing that's come out of it for me is being able to spend more time with my family and kids and actually focus on them. Um, I'm putting the family in a position where I'm like, right, every Sunday we go for a walk. We walk at least 12 to 15,000 steps. It's our, we call it family fun day. It's just like, you know, we could end up out for a drive for an hour and a half, two hours down the coast and then just go for a walk, anything. So that's the biggest thing. And I think Paul Moore's program is like two grand or something for the year at the time. Or I don't know. And it's probably the best one I've ever invested, honestly. Was it, great? Was it worth it? 100%. 100%. Yeah. Did, it, did, it, did it make you reevaluate a lot of business family things that you maybe had let? Yeah. yeah, and it's it's like, you know, what all the mentors and coaches I've had in the past have been very business orientated and focused in, in terms of, you know, business mindset. Like, you know, you, you read shit like Grant Cardone's 10X and you're like, fuck, I'm not doing enough. I'm not doing enough. Like I need to, I need to be doing four hours sleep a night, and I need to be doing this and this and this, and then when I do that, I need to be doing X, Y, and Z. Where, um, this is probably the first time where, listen, I still have a business coach. I still have someone who coaches me on, you know, how to become better in business and marketing and different things. But, um, Paul Paul Mort's program is it will help some people improve their fitness business, improve their business and life in general. But for me specifically, I'm using it to get some clarity and, and sort of dedication time to making family time more important and um, so for me it's definitely a, a huge investment and probably one of the better investments i've made you just said something there do you find that do you find there's too much pressure on some people this today's and age to like always be at something do you know we've got this sort of culture of like you know hustle hard and you know do you find that we've gone? Do you not think we've come too full circle now, or we're now forgetting about what family actually is? In return, instead, we want to build a business and build that reputation, and we're always planning for the future, never actually remembering that we live in the now. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so nice balance. Um, I mean, it's just, it's just again, it's, it's asking yourself. I think you asked earlier is like, what do you want your life to look like? You know, what 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 way do you want what way do you want to live your life? Do you want to own a business that you do just for money, or do you want to have a family, time with the family, and have a business that fits around your lifestyle to be able to have the time with your family? And I think I've went you know full one eighty like. I love, someone asked me a few weeks ago, would you ever do online coaching solely? And I was like, honestly, at this present moment, like you're asking me right now today, I'm like, no. Why? Because I actually love having the gym. I don't resent it. I love it. Like really, truly, like it makes my day. 
That's, that's what COVID's exposed to me. COVID has exposed the fact that I am a hands-on coach. I need mm. that. And the reason I started these podcasts is because I missed like meaningful conversation with people. Do you know, it's like when I was in the gym, I've got I've got like surgeons and lawyers and high level IT guys, really intelligent people who you can have meaningful conversations with, who'll challenge your thought process and you know make you think. And when you're in COVID and you're locked down and you're in four walls, you've only got your own mind. And yeah. what you choose to expose yourself to on the internet, which then can have a like algorithms can have a detrimental effect on you. So I I decided I was going to start reaching out to people who I like talking to, but maybe not necessarily agree with everything I say, in the hope that the conversations sort of spur on that that creative process that I like to have all the time, that thought process. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think it's, I think with now, like I, I do have that far more balanced approach to how I approach business. I'm like, listen, you know, it's, it's no longer about like, I, and you probably remember this, I said I wanted to have 500 members at the gym. Yeah. And like we had, at one point we had 289, 289 members. And, you know, again, full transparency, it was an absolute clusterfuck. There was I'm just... Glad you said that. I'm glad you said because I always wondered, because I've always thought, held on to the belief that evolutionary were tribal. So any more than 150, 160, you're starting to get the fracturing and then it's, it's, it gets hard to manage. I'd say yeah. this about 150. It was more, it was more just to do with, we, we grew too quick. Like we, we, we gained like 90 members in a, in a very, very short space of time. We didn't have the systems in place. We didn't have the infrastructure in place. We didn't have, you know, all the things that we were really good at. We did we lost a bit of it because it was just too quick. Um, and I'm perfectly like I would admit that and be like, listen, we got it wrong. We grew too quick, and uh, because you know, business people tell you you can't grow too quick. Like just go for it, boom, boom, boom. They keep going, uh, but we did. We, we grew too quick, and we actually brought it back down again. We it's not as if we just as the members like get out. Like you know, it just happened naturally. We're like, right, we're going to stop marketing. We'll let it come back down to a normal level, and then we can we can sort of build back up. And um, so I, I honestly feel with our infrastructure right now, if we had the same 289 members, we'd be much better um, at dealing with them. But I'm like, at what cost? Like, at what cost? Like, do I give up, you know, five hours of my day to help facilitate that? Or do I keep it 200 plus members just a bond where we can manage it? It doesn't take any extra time. We're doing a great service where clients are getting great results. They love it. The community's there, everything like that. Um, and that's where I've had a complete 180 in terms of thinking. I'm more like, I'm no longer willing to put in 16-hour days to, to, in the sort of give up my family time. Because one, I don't think it's necessary. Two, I think when we focus more on family and quality time, we actually be more productive in work rather than the other way of thinking is like if I spend more time at work, I'll actually give me more freedom to do things at home, but it's not. Mm -hmm. So I journal every day and I usually focus on the time that I'll finish work so that I'm home in time. And again, you know, COVID's helped that obviously because we are at home more. I've only started going to the gym recently to do to do like videos and stuff. This comes down back down to the like understanding 
what it is you want and why you want it. Yeah. I think I think I, I really hate the word clarity. It just it just wrecks me now because it's just like it's every business mentor's buzzword clarity. But the so reality what is, is what is clarity. What is clarity? Well, clarity is having the is having the vision that they, they know exactly what it is you want, and then being able to plot a path to get to that point. And I, and like as much as I hate that buzzword. It's a really, really important word. It's just it's just overused too much. It's used to the, the influencers you love to use it, but it's such an important thing because if you can have that clarity and you can decide yourself, I want this for this reason, then you're free to push on towards it. What do you think on that? Yeah, I mean I mean hundred percent. Like I am massive in terms of having a clear path. And I think that's what most people even like back to back to the clients that I work with, the online clients as well. Like that's our main thing, is like, what do you want? It's like, I want to lose 10 pounds. It's like, you don't want to lose 10 pounds. Like, you're not happy. You, you don't like how you look. Your husband hates you. Like, <laughs> that's, that's the outside of things. Like, it's not it's, it's not that you fucking want to lose 10 pounds. It doesn't want to change anything. But uh, with, with with clarity is, I think, what most people get wrong is that you can, you can be clear on what it is that you want, but you can also change it as you go. You can also change the path as you get closer and you realize that's not actually what you wanted. I think when people hear clarity, they get confused because they, they think they need to have a crystal clear, like pinpoint, like on a map, this is exactly where I want to get to, which for some people it is, but some people it's not. They just think at that present moment, that's what I'm clear on. That's what I want. And then they start working towards it and then they, they get closer to it and they're like, ah, this isn't the way I wanted to go. This isn't the path. And like we had a we had a client of ours, she lost six sixty-five pound in total. Thought she wanted to be a PT. And I was like, I was like, you know what? I support you. I love the story. I, I loved it. I was like, this would be amazing for you. And then some more she got wrapped up and told people and I were like, you would be amazing at this. Like, oh I go and do it. Went and pay went and pay to do Michael's course. And Four weeks in, I was like, nah, this isn't for me. Well, an expensive lesson, but at least you learned a lesson. Yeah, you know, she, she was crystal clear. She thought that's what, 100%, that's what I want. This is my clarity. This is my moment. And then along the journey, she was like, nah. And I think people get too caught up in where it is they want to go to. They're like, this is where I want to get to. I'm so clear and focused now. And then they're too afraid to admit that it's not what they want. So they feel like you have to push on. I, I feel like a lot of personal trainers... And dads do that. Like they're like, this is the this is where I want to go, this is it, this is it. And they try to stay so laser focused on it. The reality is if you keep failing and you keep not reaching what your goal is, what you're clear on, it's probably not for you. It's probably the wrong one. That's a good point. That's I think that's a good one. I think that's a good one to end up on, Dan. Thank you very much, mate. There's a lot of uh we nuggets are colder than that that help. I think yes, it's fitness business oriented this chat, but it's really business orientated. And what I hope people take away from this, normal dads who are maybe down in the luck with COVID, they need to realize that just because life's throwing them a hand doesn't mean they're down and out. They, they, what they do with themselves is down to their choices. And if you've got a goal or if you want to do something, you just got to have the balls and go for it. Regardless of what anyone else listens, whatever, no matter what anyone else tells you, if you believe it, then you've got to go for it. Yeah, 100%. Definitely. I really enjoyed it, Paul. Thanks very much. Thank you very much. We'll speak to you soon. The podcast. Thank you very much, mate.